Thanks, Terry. Well, it is really, really good uh, to be with you this afternoon. Uh, let me just add one thing to what I was talking about before. I've been in paid ministry now since 1995 at the church, and just for Lanx's benefit, that was the last year that Everton won a trophy. Um, so just so you can just make a little note of that one, Lanx, uh, when we think about football um, next. Uh, can I assure you of the prayers of the people back in Liverpool, um, Oral Park Baptist Church? It's just right on the edge of Liverpool, on the boundary uh, between Sefton and Liverpool, next door to Bootle. Uh, Bootle's famous for Jamie Carragher. Um, it's where he grew up, it's where I grew up, um, and it's where we live. Um, and so it's just a, a great place to be. And thanks for your welcome. Uh, thanks for seeing faces that I know uh, made me feel very welcome and getting to know one or two other people um, as well. We're going to continue this afternoon in your series looking at this study um, of 1 John. John's letter to a group of believers scattered around Asia. Um, a letter which would have been passed around to different churches and seeking to find assurance John was saying to the people let me just move this way a little bit uh, John was saying to the people there listen you can know you can truly truly know who Jesus is and you can know that your lives your sins are forgiven you can know that there's a hope of heaven you can be certain of these things and so as John writes it's good for us to keep this um, statement in our thoughts we can find assurance in a world that is against God. We can find assurance through knowing Jesus in a world that is against you. And this assurance leads to unity amongst believers. A unity in the church, in the gathering, a, a unity with Jesus. And it's demonstrated in how you are, how you walk, especially towards each other and how you live and so our focus today is on chapter two and um, Lanx has given me a, a nice long chapter and um, five sermons out of this chapter we could have but we've got to nail it all in one and um, this afternoon and our theme flows from last week and it's a theme that will flow right throughout the five chapters of what John's first letter it's a theme which you'll pick up in the gospel so it's not wrong to go into John's gospel chapter one because we're actually going to go into it again and um, this uh, this afternoon here but it's a theme and John contrasts this light and this darkness this world in which we live there's a light in this world he's Jesus and we either walk with him and if we are with him we always walk in the light we are not in darkness and the contrast is that if we do not know this Jesus then we are walking in darkness and John writes to these people and goes listen don't walk in darkness you can know that you belong to Jesus, you can be sure that you belong to Jesus, and you can be sure that you walk, you live in the light of this gospel, in the light of this good news. I don't know about you, and it's confession time here, people in my own church will know this, or some of them would know this, I really, really don't like the dark. I should be fine, I'm old enough to be fine and not to be scared by the dark, but I don't like the dark. My default would be, if it was left to me, would be to sleep with the light on. My default, as I go running, um, is never to run alone at night. 
I just don't like running in the dark. I'm, I'm constantly, and it's not because I live in Liverpool, it doesn't matter where I am. <laughs> I would just have an eye over my shoulder. Could be anywhere. And you see, in the dark, we stumble around, don't we? Last night we were staying in the travel lodge just down the road. And um, as is my want, got up early uh, in the morning. Didn't turn the light on because we were in a family room, the four of us together. Not familiar with the, the bedroom and the size and where the bathroom was. I stumbled out of bed, tripped over my rucksack, which was bad down the side of the bed. And didn't want to turn the bathroom light on until I was in the bathroom. And on the bathroom floor, there was a little lip, a wooden lip, would you believe? And I stubbed my toe and just so wanted to shout out. And I just said, why didn't you just switch the light on? Everything would have been so much easier just switching the light on, to walk in the light. And John is saying to the people, for goodness sake, Jesus, the light of the world, you belong to him, he's in you, walk in the light. Why would you want to walk in darkness? And so this is how we're going to tackle our big section um, this afternoon. Just a series of questions, really. We're going to try and look at the series of questions and try and answer them uh, from the passage, what do we know? What does John tell us that we already know? Who do we know? How do we know? The outcome of the what and the who and the how. And then depending on time, we might just bring a little summary um, together. So it's a very simple outline uh, for us this afternoon. Take a look at the words. We're going to take a look at John and see what he has to say for town church. See, this is a message which was written 2,000 years ago, give or take. But it's a message that's relevant today, and John wants to speak to us today. God wants to speak to us today through his word, by his spirit, and say, what is this saying to the church at town church in Vista? How can you know that your faith is certain? How can you be sure that when you walk out in this place and you go out into a world that is against God and therefore against you, how can you know that your faith is certain? And he wants you to help, be helped to how to work it out. What does it look like for you as a gathering of God's people, a fellowship, a group of people, how does it look to live this out amongst each other? in your desire to love Christ, in your desire to make Christ known, and how is it seen in how you minister to one another. So firstly, let's take a little look at what do we know. Don't worry about the next set of things that come up. I want us to focus for a moment or two on verses 3 and verse 5. In fact, let me just read them again for us. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The one who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know 
we are in him. See how John uses those words? We know, we know. It's a, current, it's a common theme right throughout his letter. Look at it, read it in the week and you see he says the same thing over and over again. We know. We know we have come to know him and there's an if. And we'll come to the if in a moment or two. But what John is saying is this. There is a certainty here. There's a certainty for John, not just in our knowing, but in our knowing him. We can know. We can have assurance. Now, this is not a knowing like, I know Liverpool will win the Champions League. I can say that, but there's no real assurance of that. There's huge hurdles for that to happen. John is not saying that kind of no that's based on a, on a hope, based on a whim, based on a whatever it is, a false hope. No, John is saying, no, you can really, really know for a certainty you can have an assurance in him. We can know him. And this is how we can know him, he says in verse 5, and there's evidence, but we've got to hold the evidence for a moment. But it's a lovely picture that we have here. Again, that John wants to reassure his readers, you can know you are in him. It's the phrase that he uses, you are in him. You are safe. You are secure. There's many illustrations I guess we could give but certainly for a child who would hold the hand of a parent or a, or a brother or a sister or a family member or a friend, they are safe. How often will a child reach out and grab someone else's hand and they feel safe, much safer? Well, for those who are in Jesus, it's this. We are not just in him because he holds our hands. We are in him completely. So he holds us. We're in him. And the other thing that John wants to talk about, but not right now, is he's in us. And we have this wonderful picture that we find in Ephesians, Paul's letter. Let me just read one verse out to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ Jesus when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Do you hear that? You also were included in him. When you heard the good news of the gospel of salvation, when you received that message, you were included in Christ. And therefore you are forever safe and sure in him. What do we know? We know that we have come to know him. And John says, we know that we are in him. But let's take a little look about who we know. Because this really is our main focus uh, this afternoon. This is the main theme, if you like, that I want to drive home. Who is it that we know? Who is this he that John speaks of? Well, none other than all these different phrases that we have down here. 
He's the word of life, says John. He's the Messiah. He's the advocate. He's the sacrifice. He's the true light. He's the eternal one. All of these names, all of these things come out of this passage. Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And we could go to John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. And we find that the word is Jesus. The word was with God in the beginning and the word was God. And in verse 14, the word was made flesh and made his home amongst us. It's Jesus. And this word of life is the Messiah. He's the Christ. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father and our defense. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the righteous one. This is the one who's amongst you. This is the one whom we can know. This is the one in whom we are in. And we can truly know who he is. He's God's chosen king. The one who has come amongst us to be like us in every way except without sin. The one who went to the cross for your sin and my sin. The one whom John writes and says, he's the righteous one. What does that mean? Well, very simply it means this. He's the one who's right with God. Jesus is the one who is right with God. And guess what? You know, if you're in Jesus, in him, you're right with God because you're in Jesus. And you know when Jesus sees you and when he sees me, warts and all, failings and all, he sees the righteousness of his son. These are magnificent truths that John gives his readers. You can know these things. These are certain. He's our advocate, the one who speaks to the Father and our defense. It's a legal term, isn't it? The Bible describes Satan as the accuser. Ever been accused? Accused of something you didn't do? It's dreadful, isn't it? Well, Satan accuses God the Father of things we have done. And he's right. Satan's right about me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus goes, but he's your son, Father. And I'm in him, and he's in me. And so as he stands before you, I plead on his behalf, I plead on Dave Willis's behalf, and before you, God, he's, he's my righteousness. And he speaks in our defense. And John says, in a world that is against me, in a world that is hard to live for me, in a world that is against you because you believe in me and trust in me, believe this, that there is one who speaks to God on your behalf. And in him, you are safe and secure. He's our sacrifice, the atonement 
a picture of a covering, um, a picture that says we're at one with God. Our sins are covered. And with God, we can be at one. Another big word which will come out in, in, in other parts of John, the propitiation, it sometimes says, depending on the version of the Bible, Jesus is that for us, and it simply means this, the one who through shedding his blood on the cross satisfied God's anger. So God's righteousness as holiness was not compromised in forgiving sinners. It's Jesus. This is whom we can know. This is who he is, and this is what he's done for us. And in him is light. He is the true light. In him there is no darkness. And friends, this is why it's our focus. This is why it should be our focus. Because of who he is. And all that he's done. And we'll come across in John's letter as you read it over the next number of weeks. This repeated phrase, from the beginning, from the beginning, from the beginning, Jesus is the eternal one. We have echoes of, of John chapter 1 again. We have echoes of Genesis chapter 1, the very first book in the Bible. This Jesus is God with us. And he ought to be, says John, our primary focus because it's in him. We have our hope. It's in him we can know. And it's he who's made himself known to us and will keep us. But how do we know that we belong to him? Come on, how do we know that we know him? Because we can have good days and bad days, can't we? We can have good days where we think, oh, Christian life is going wonderful. I really know God today. And then tomorrow can be a dreadful day for whatever reason. And we can begin to doubt if we focus in on us, if we look to ourselves. But this further question helps us and says we can know him. How do we know that we know him? Well, we know it by the evidence. John's already given his personal testimony at the beginning of the letter. Heard. We've seen him with our own eyes. Looked. Hands have touched. This is him. This is whom he testified. I know you spoke about that last week. And John's provided his own personal testimony of knowing the truth about Jesus and who he really is. And why he's writing to these believers, longing for his readers to know that they too can have fellowship together with Jesus and with each other. Verse 3 of chapter 1, we proclaim him to you. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. John longs for them to know that fellowship. And 
And in a world in which John was growing up, where there was false teaching going on in and around the church, and there'd be people who were claiming other things, John says this, hey, there is evidence for those who truly know. The evidence for the believer. And it's the evidence of the ifs that we mentioned before. The evidence of obedience to his word. Let's just take a little look at verse 3 and verse 5 again. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Verse 5. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Go on and say, this is how we know we are in him. And we'll look at verse 6 in a moment or two. The evidence of the if, obedience to the word of God. If there's obedience to God's word, then... That is evidence. This is not about our salvation here. But Jesus is saying this, and John is saying this to his readers. Listen, if you truly know Jesus, then it will be demonstrated with your life. You can't say, I know Jesus and I love Jesus and live a completely different lifestyle. You can't say, I love Jesus and I know Jesus and Jesus died on the cross for me. But you know what? I don't want anything to do with him here on this world. I want to love this world. I want to partake in this world. Oh, when, when I die, everything will be okay. No, John says, no, it's not, not the case. If, if, then says John, God's love completes us. We are complete in him. We are made fully. There is nothing left to do. There is nothing left to make. If we've made something completely, it's complete. And Jesus makes us completely. There's nothing that we can add to that. But John says, listen, the life of the believer will be marked by an obedience to this Jesus. And our obedience, verse 6, verse 7 onwards, it's an old command made new. It's made new to us in Jesus. God some speaks of Jesus at his baptism. And he says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And he adds the words, listen to him. And listening, really listening, is living out in obedience. How do we know? Here's how we know. Through the obedience to his word. Here's how we know. It's where and how you walk. Again verse 6. And again verse 16, 15 and 16. A contrast. Time doesn't permit to go into any detail on this. But it matters where and how we live. 
where and how we walk. And John calls us, and Jesus calls us, to walk, live in the light. Walk with Jesus as he is in the light. Walk with him. Don't be distracted. Don't make the world your priority. Don't hold on to the things of this world so tightly that it's painful to let go of the things of this world. Or we live in this world. But don't hold on to the things that the world holds so dear. Don't get your priorities wrong. And we understand, don't we, that the term to walk with somebody is to spend time with them. When John speaks here of, of walking, it's this very intentional action. It's a deliberate choice to go with somebody in a certain direction. And John says, walk with Jesus. Live with Jesus. This is the evidence. Don't follow the paths of the world. Don't walk as the world would walk and live as the world. And friends, just let me make clear, this is not about the stumble that you make or the fall that you make or the wrong turn that you occasionally may make. Remember, we have an advocate who speaks on our behalf. This is not about, oh, I've blown it, I've made I've sinned, I've got it completely wrong, I've chosen something else, and momentarily in my life, I've just strayed. No, this is a deliberate choice to say, no, thank you, God, I'm going to walk this way, and I don't want anything to do with you. And the deliberate choice in walking into darkness. And John goes, you know when you do sin? You know when you do make that wrong choice? Hey, remember who's speaking to the Father on your behalf. Oh, it's Jesus. And you know when Jesus speaks on your behalf, remember that you're in him and he's in you. And you know what God sees? He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And he says, come on. Let's walk together again. The evidence of obedience. Evidence of where and how we walk. And you know something, there's something lovely about this last thing. The truth is seen in you. Verse 8. In verse 10, there's something more there. The truth is seen in you. I'm writing to you a new command. It's truth is seen in him, in Jesus. Because you're in him, it's seen in you. And it's demonstrated, verse 10, how you love one another. Whoever loves a brother or a sister lives in the light. How you behave towards each other so matters. You should be so outstanding that the community of Bista sees you and goes, what have they got that we haven't got? See how they love each other. See how they are together. See how they care for one another. See how they nurture one another 
and support one another. And the love and truth and light of Jesus is seen in you. And people go, I want that. Who is it? What is it? And you can speak to them and say, hey, do you know what? You can know him as well. Well, finally, as brief as we can be, what is the outcome of this what? The outcome of the who and the how? Well, there's a whole list of verses written down there. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 2 again. Verse 10, verse 12, verse 14, verse 17. You're going to have to do some homework and scan it through um, yourselves at some stage. But here's some of the headings that we've got. The outcome of what we know and who we know and how we can know it is this you're forgiven. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I love the way John addresses the people he's writing the letter to. What a warmth that is there from John. A, a, a parental care and nurture. Oh dear children, I'm writing this to you. You can know that you're forgiven. And you're forgiven not because you're good, not because you're seeking to walk in obedience, not because you're walking in the light, not because you're doing good works with each other. You are forgiven on account of His name. And His name is the only name you've got to plead. That's why He's the focus. And must always be the focus. Oh, you're forgiven. And you're lovers, lovers of one another. John says, and you're going to deal with this quite a bit over the next few weeks. They will know we love Jesus in the way we love one another. It's an evidence. It's a proof mark. You're overcomers. You're strong. God's word lives in you. And friends, there's a promise of eternal life. All these things are in this passage. All these things are the outcome of knowing King Jesus. I just want to leave you with one last thing. Dear friends, I don't really know you, but I know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then we're friends together. And we're brothers and sisters together. And can I plead with you as brothers and sisters in Christ? That you walk with him. That you live in the light as he is in the light. Oh, don't go stumbling around in the darkness. You're going to do more than stub your toe.
And can I just add that some of you might just be on a journey of faith and you're not sure yet about who this Jesus really is. Then can I say, get to know him. Get to find out what the scriptures say about this Jesus. Because he's the life-changing Jesus. He's the author of life. He's the giver of life. He's the one who keeps us in life and keeps us into the next life that is to come with the promise of eternal life. And you know something? He loved you so much. He loved you so much that he gave up his own life for you. And he longs to plead before the Father for you. Town Church Bista. As you look through the book of John, I hope and pray that firstly you'll find Jesus if you don't know him. And in finding Jesus, you'll find assurance, a certainty that in this world in which you and I live, different parts of the country, but the same world, that you'll know the assurance of the love of God and the certainty that you are in him and the certainty of a forgiven life and an eternal life to come. And it's a life that leads to action amongst each other, unity together because you're in Christ and you love him and it's demonstrated in how you love one another. Let me just pray as we finish and hand over to Lanx. Thanks, Father, for your goodness to us and so much, so much to think of and just try and get our head round in these verses. Well, help us to be sure of this as we leave this building today, that if anyone does sin, and we all will, that we will know that we have one who speaks to you, Father, on our behalf, Jesus Christ, our advocate, the righteous one, the one who has paid the price for our sins. And we pray that that will be a reality for us all here this afternoon, that we will all truly, truly know you, and as an outworking of that, that we will seek to live for you in the world in which you've called us to live and serve. And we do this and ask this for your glory. Amen.